Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. I do want to make sure that we're also aware of there are things that we need to be doing proactively to prevent our, to protect ourselves. You must be taking your vitamins, <laughs> vitamin D, zinc, magnesium, vitamin C. You must be taking your vitamins proactively. And also there are, there are meds that are well-proven meds out there that we do not have to wait and go home and get really sick. So on the table, I've, again, I have how to get COVID meds. I really encourage you to do this. We've, we went through weeks of Wednesday night studies talking about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I'm telling you, folks, it works. It's proven it works. You know, I got to laugh. Sometimes I feel like, you know, the old Charlie Brown com- cartoons where Charlie Brown's talking to his friends and they're, they're all talking in English, right? But when they're in, this, when they're in this, uh, a, a teaching session or the teacher's talking, it's wah, 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 wah. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I think I'm wah, 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 wah. And I'm telling you, you may be hearing me that way, but when you need this, you need to have it. So please, Take it serious now. Go out and call frontline doctors. I am so tired. I'm so saddened by the fact that we do not promote health before we get sick. There is an agenda. I think as we pray about COVID, I think we need to pray against the agenda of COVID. Yes, COVID is real. People get sick. For those that have been through it, I'm not saying you don't have it or didn't have it, but there is an agenda greater than this virus. And we need to pray against the agenda because the agenda is evil. The agenda is satanically inspired because it is to destroy you and it's to destroy me. It is to destroy America. It is to set up a global government and a global economy and a global world power. That's what it's about. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is the reality of what's happening to usher in the end times. It is a strategy that the enemy is using to bring the Antichrist to power when he's revealed. And he will be revealed after the rapture. But we are preparing it right now. So we need to pray against the agenda of the enemy, the agenda of fear against COVID. Amen? All right, well, today we're going to continue on our study in the um, Beatitudes. And um, now I believe we're getting into the real meat of what Jesus is starting to talk about. Um, As I said before, that it's really easy to read through the Beatitudes and just skim through them quickly and look at them as little, nice little nuggets of truth. But um, there is so much meat and gold and valuable things in what Jesus is saying here that um, I didn't really think we would, but I think we are going to go through them one one by one. (laughs) I was thinking we could wrap a couple of them together. Maybe so yet, but right now, every time I get into it, there's just more and more that we just can't. And certainly this is one of the truths of knowing what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness um, and the promise that we will be filled. So our text for today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray. Father, help us learn this, I pray. Fill us as we search diligently for your truths today, that as we hunger and thirst for the things of God, for the righteousness 
that your promises are that we will be filled and filled to the full. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This may be one of the most important statements that Jesus made in all of his ministry because this defines really the heart of a true, of, of a true believer and a true follower of Christ. This not only describes the heart and defines the heart, but it also gives God's response to that hunger. Because God says, I will fill those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. God says, I will fill them. So if a man truly desires here to get as close to Jesus as he can, God's promise is to say, I will come close to you as well. I'm not going to avoid you. I'm not going to run away from you. If you draw close to me, Jesus says, I will come close to you. Not only will I come close, but I am going to fill you up as we seek after him. And this is not a once a week Sunday message. This is learning how to walk with Jesus day by day, every day, every moment in our day. This is a daily experience, not a once a week time that we would come in to the presence of the Lord as we've been in today, as we continue to stay in today. You can have this experience tomorrow. You can have this relationship tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. You don't leave it here at the church when you walk out, just so you know that. You can have it on the job. You can have it wherever you're at. You can have it in the boat. You can have it when you're fishing. You can have it wherever you're at. You can experience the presence of God as you hunger and thirst after him. He promises to fill you. So this is a daily experience. This is why this is such an important statement that Jesus made. Because this wasn't intended to be just when you're in the temple or in the church. This is a lifestyle. So this simple sentence defines the life and the lifestyle of every true believer who follows Christ. This is one that defines our relationship. This defines our relationship with Jesus. And this is not just a simple head knowledge of who he is. Remember that. You see, it's not simply knowing about Jesus. It's really knowing and being known by Jesus. Now, I know you can say, well, Mike, God knows everybody. And God loves everybody. And I would agree with you. Yes, he does. But there's more here. There's a difference in knowing someone by name and knowing about someone than having a true relationship with someone. There's a difference between knowing about and knowing someone than having a true personal relationship with someone. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, the devil even understands that. It says in the book of James that you believe, it says that you believe there is one God. Well, good for you. <laughs> because even the demons believe that and they shudder. So even the demons believe that God exists. Even the demons believe that Jesus died on the cross. But it's not enough to have a simple knowledge of that. It's not enough just to know that. There comes a time when we must apply that, and there's so much more to having a true, ongoing, daily relationship with Jesus that makes the difference because these demons that know are not saved and they will never be saved. 
And there are people that know this as well. But just because they know it doesn't mean they're saved. Amen? There comes a point where we must apply it. So I'm hoping that as we study this, that we will understand what hunger and thirst really means and what this define, what this, how this beatitude defines one of the deepest and most consistent needs in our lives, and that is a desire to be filled of God. I mean, let's just stop and think a minute. I know this could come across very hard, very legalistic, but let's think about what Jesus is really trying to say. Let's try to appreciate what he's really saying here when it comes to desires of relationships. And I think it might help here for us to understand. Think of it this way. Think about a person right now. Think about a person in your life that you love. Is there a person in your life that you love? (laughs) And if there's a person in your life that you love, what do you want to do with that person? How close do you want to get to that person? How much time do you want to spend with that person or people? I mean, if we can understand that, I think it helps us understand what Jesus feels towards us. And maybe about our how our relationship towards him should be. Because the reality is, it's not legalistic for you when you think about the person that you love to spend time with them. It's not a hard thing to think about because you just have a desire to be with the person that you love. And that's what I'm talking about today. It's that same desire that we should have to want to be with Jesus. If we love him, we will have a desire to be with him. We'll have a desire to know him. We'll have a desire to know what he wants us of us to do. We'll have a desire to want to please him, just like we would have a, a desire to please those that we love in this world. And I think if we can think that way, we can help us understand what Jesus is saying here for those that hunger and thirst. So let's talk about what is the Jewish thinker thinking about now? Remember, remember, this was given to a bunch of Jewish people sitting on a hillside that are coming out of an Old Testament lifestyle. That's what their faith was built on, Old Testament thinking, right? So if we're going to get in the context of what it is to be hearing it from Jesus as a first observer, then let's try to understand what it is for the Jewish person. What are they thinking about? What are they thinking about when Jesus says hunger and thirst after righteousness? Where is their mind going? Well, I think they're, first of all, I think they're relating this to human needs, just like we probably would. Hungering and thirsting are basic survival instincts that we all have. Everything that is alive eats and drinks. Everything, even plants and animals, even plants have to have nourishment. Everything that is living has a basic instinct to eat and drink. And so I think when Jesus says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, our immediate reaction goes to, I know what that feels like. I know what that means to be hungry. I know what that means to be thirsty. It's a basic 
Hunger and thirst is a basic cry out for all of us for satisfaction. It's a basic human nature that we would have, that drive that we would have. And so Jesus is making the same claim spiritually that our spiritual life has the same needs as our human life, as our fleshly life, to have to consume nourishment if we're to live. So what are some of the passages that these people would be thinking of? Well, Psalms 42, verses 1 through 2. In fact, the whole chapter of Psalms 42. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, when and where can I go to meet with God? I mean, that is what a thirsty soul is crying out. And that's maybe what these people were thinking about. And if you continue through the whole chapter of 42 of Psalms, and, and this chapter was not written by David. This chapter was written by worship leaders. These were the sons of Korah. These were the sons, these were the, the, the worship leaders in, in, the, in the Israelite tribe of Levi that wrote this psalm. So this is a cry for worship. It's a cry to, God, I want to get closer to you. I thirst for you. But it's interesting the way this chapter ends. If you go to the end of this chapter, verses 9 through 11 of Psalms 42, it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I don't think Nancy would be a, 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 I think she'd be okay if I shared this. Last Sunday, right after church, I got a phone call from Nancy. And Nancy doesn't normally call for help. She's such an independent woman and just doesn't want to put anybody out. But she calls and says, would you come pray for me as she's t- crying? I am so, dis- so, I'm so depressed. And I, so I went over to her house. And sure enough, Nancy was very upset because her back was prob- giving problems again. So we prayed. And you know what? And in that, you might have some of these same feelings for maybe some of the times that you've had hard times in life. Maybe you're struggling with lots of things. But our, our soul, sometimes we cry out to God, where are you? Where are you when the times in life get hard? And sometimes life throws a, a bunch of bad stuff at us that we just might wonder, God, where are you? As the psalmist here, as this, these worship leaders in the tribe of Levi were, were saying, God, I know I'm going to worship you because you, as, I, as a deer pants for you, I, I long for you. But there are sometimes, God, where you seem distant to me. Why? Why are you allowing me to go through these things in my life? And why must I go about mourning and suffering all these major losses? Where are you, God? But when I look at verse 11, the end of that verse 11, it says this. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That's the heart of a thirsty and a hungry soul, is that even in the midst of hard times, the hope, the promise is that God will fill you even in the hard times. I know that is hard for us to comprehend sometimes, and maybe it's hardest when you're going through it. But the promise is that he will fill us and he will deliver us and he will be with us and he will walk along that path with us. 
This is what the Jewish people might have been thinking about when Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those that are thirsty and hungry for me because I will fill you. That's what Jesus says. Going back into Psalms chapter 62, verses 5 through 8, this is David as he cries out, Yes, my Lord, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. This is what the Jewish people were thinking about. This is the context that they were hearing. Psalms 63, the next chapter, verses 1 through 5, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly, hearless, earnestly I seek you. I seek for you. I'm thirsty for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied. That's the heart's cry of those in the Old Testament that were hungering and thirsting for God. And hear this. This was even without the daily presence that we have of the Holy Spirit. There were those anointed by the Holy Spirit to write the Psalms, possibly, and to do some certain things. The Holy Spirit inspired people as needed individually. But today, you and I, as a believer in Christ, have the opportunity to call on the comforter, the paraclete, the one that Jesus said, go and wait for and I will send him and I will baptize you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that gives us the assurance of daily sustenance. Amen? So if the Old Testament people can be crying out like this, then why can't we be crying out like this and being fulfilled? The answer is we can be. We can be. David's deep longing for God is not a distant one. It's not one where he just knows about God. No, this is an up-close and personal relationship. This is one where it is intense. And it's daily. And I can't get through my day unless I first wake up and say, how are you, Jesus? Can I just encourage you to do that if you don't? Can I just encourage you to start a a routine in your life that the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning before you say or think about anything else is you say, thank you, Jesus, for a good night's rest. Thank you, Jesus, for being with me today. Start off by declaring who you are in Christ. Start off by saying, before I turn on the TV, before I make my first cup of coffee, before you do anything else, that you roll out of bed with a thankful heart. And if you start to do that, you start the day off on the right foot because you're inviting the presence of Jesus in your life. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed in doing that. If you haven't done that, start. That doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect day that day. I'm telling you, you're still going to have stuff coming at you, but now you're going to know where you're going to go to to get your strength because you're coming, your strength is in Jesus, not in yourself. Or even not in your meds. Your strength is in Christ. This is how David lived. 
So with that said, let me just pause here. And let me, let's reflect on some obvious questions. If we claim to know God like this, then number one, do I really have a strong desire for God's presence in my life? Think about this. Evaluate for yourself, where are you on this continuum of desire? Do I really seek to know God's purposes for me? And, I, and am I giving him first priority in my life? Are you? Am I? Or do I go life through life with my focus mainly on my temporary goals and pleasures? Do I wake up in the morning and think about what I'm going to do that's fun today? Do I, think, do I wake up in the morning and think about how am I going to make my more investments to make more money today? I don't know. Have my personal desires rep- replaced prayer, Bible study, and service to God? Now, listen, folks, I know we're busy. And I'm not heaping con- condemnation on anyone here. I'm just asking some questions that I think are good reflectionary questions that we should ask ourselves on a daily basis. These are awareness questions. These are questions about how am I relating myself on this desire scale? Am I truly de- desiring God or, is, or am I so busy I'm putting God on the back burner a little bit here because I have things to do? Can I say that if you put God first, just maybe your day will be a lot more productive? It may not be any easier, but it may be more productive. And it might even be easier. I'm not going to limit God. I'm not going to put him in a box. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to speak for him. But I do think that when we can live a life that we're reflecting ourselves constantly and, 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 and evaluating our, our own situations, I think that we're going to find out that God is very faithful and he's going to be there for us. My Bible commentary reminds me of this. He says that without this intense desire for righteousness, a person will not pursue a deeper relationship with God or try to develop the rest of the character traits Jesus describes. The foundational requirement for all godly living living, is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, that's foundational to our lifestyle. These are one of the things that really will help us understand who we are in Christ. Where does our identity come from? Does my identity come from my own abilities? Or does my identity come in Christ? Let's look at what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Read along with me if you can read it. I know it's small print, but you can, or you can open your Bible. Put notes. You got a note sheet I handed out. Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for those for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Did you hear that? I want to know Christ. Yes, he says, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's the longing in Paul's heart. I love that, don't you? Wouldn't that be your desire? Don't you want that to be your desire? That you would consider all things rubbish compared to the glory of being in the presence of God? Sounds pretty churchy, doesn't it? (laughs) But it's not churchy, it's real. It's life. It's the abundant life that we can have as a follower of Christ as we make that our daily choice to do that. It's not legalistic. It's not hard. It's relationship. See, Paul was a leader of leaders among his day. He was the rising star in the Jewish world. He was a scholar among scholars, a Hebrew of Hebrews. But something happened to Paul. Something happened to Saul at that time. He met Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus appeared to him. And he had a great conversion experience. And in that moment, hear this, and in that moment, Paul exchanged religion for relationship. He exchanged a knowledge of God that he had because he had lots of knowledge of God. He understood the Old Testament as well as anyone. But he exchanged that at that moment. He exchanged the religion for relationship. That's the difference. That's the difference. And that's the same thing that we can have, folks. We have that same opportunity to have a, re- a religion exchanged Trade that for a relationship. That's amazing. That's amazing that God loves us enough that he wants more than just our knowledge, our head knowledge. He wants to call you a son and a daughter. And he wants you to know that he knows your every need. He knows your every pain. He knows your every fear. He knows when you're alive, alone. He knows when you're struggling with some things in this life. He knows. And he cares for you. That is having a relationship. That is the heart cry for all of us to have. And so the spiritual condition of a Christian person depends on their hunger and thirst. The spiritual condition of a, of a Christian throughout your life, throughout the breadth of your life, depends upon your hunger and thirst for the presence of God, for the word of God, for an interaction and a friendship with Christ and his other followers. In other words, the church, the capital C church and the little c church, the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, And I think one of the most important things is our longing for the return of Jesus. 
our longing for the rapture to happen, our desire to see him, meet him in the air. What a glorious day that's going to be, especially in the days that we're living in right now, especially when we see it being set up and prepared to happen and the turmoil and the angst of the world today for us to know that we have the fullness of the promise of meeting Jesus in the air and leaving this all behind. That's not an escapist thing. And if it is, I'm, if it is an escapist thing, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't want to go through it. I don't have any problem admitting the fact that I want more and I want better. Better is being in the presence of Jesus. This life is good, but it's not that good. It's great, but it's not that great. (laughs) I'll sacrifice it. I'll give it up for Jesus any day, won't you? And so for us to have that longing and the desire to, to, to see him in the air should hopefully give us the hunger and thirst for him while, we, while we're on this, walking this world, this, this life. What comes first, hunger and thirst or relationship? What do you think? I think what comes first is your desire. First, Christ is calling us. No question about it, he's calling you. We have to answer. Paul, as Paul got through this time, this is how he culminated his life. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. The, you know what? Let's stop here a second. There is a crown of righteousness in store for those that seek and hunger for righteousness now. Think about that. If you're not hungry for righteousness, if you're not thirsting for righteousness now, then why should there be a crown waiting for you there? If you're okay living a life half-baked here, if you're okay living a life only going halfway here, not really concerned about righteousness, you're, you're okay playing, dabbling with sin, if you're okay with that, then why do you think there would be a crown of righteousness waiting for you in heaven? You see, you're filled with what you're hungry for. If you're hungry for righteousness, you will be filled with righteousness. If you're hungry for things of this world, you'll be filled with things of this world that will leave you wanting. But Paul says it. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing That is the promise for you and I today. Paul's not unique. He's not special. He's just in love with Jesus. Just like you and me can be. Just like you and I can be today. So this meaning of this beatitude is saying so much more than simply describing those who are righteous and what it means to be righteous. It's rather describing the passion the urgency, the zeal for what it is to live for Christ and to trust him in all aspects of our life. Does that make sense? Are we getting it? Does it make sense? Is it, is it, is it res- registering? I hope I'm not just doing wah, 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 wah here, okay? Uh, ho- I hope you're hearing what the Bible is saying here. Listen to what Jesus is saying. So what are some things that can take away the spiritual hunger. If it's, if it's a choice for us to make to seek after something, then we don't have to seek after it because we can choose not to, 
right? So what are some things that would take away our spiritual hunger and thirst? What are some, well, let's, let's look at what are some threats to a healthy diet? Let's, let's get into our physical world for a moment because we can understand this. What's a threat to a healthy diet and to a lifestyle that our natural flesh man needs? Well, junk food. You know what I'm talking about? Comfort foods. The food that we eat that gives us pleasure even when we know it's not good for us. Cheetos. I happen to like Cheetos. Pizza. I love that stuff. But it's not good food. It's comfort food. It's something that I go to even when I know better. Anybody agree with me or am I the only one that likes Cheetos? Anybody else like Cheetos? All right, good, good. Don't, don't tell me there's a bag there. You're going to make me hungry. No, and I'm glad I'm not the only one. You know, I have to think back when I was a kid, and I think we all can relate to this. There are some times growing up as a kid where you're so hungry, you're going to die if you don't have dinner on the table right now. You know what I'm talking about? You just are so hungry that you can't even stand it. You can't wait for my, you do have Cheetos. If that bag rattles, we know. But there are times where you know what I'm talking about. Your mom's making the meal, and it's a good, nutritious meal, and you just cannot wait. So you're, you beg her, Mom, give me a snack. Give me something so I don't die. I'm going to die. You know what I'm talking about. I think I, I'm not the only one here either. But a responsible mother will say, wait, 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 Mike. Wait, I've got good food, and I've got good food coming. If just wait. Be patient. No, I can't be patient. Give me the food. But you know the right thing to do. Be patient. Wait for the good food. Because it's so easy for us to snack on the junk food and the comfort food. And so our appetite is lost because we've filled it up with stuff that's not good for us. Right? How many times do you go to a really nice restaurant and you order a really nice meal and they bring you a basket of bread and you're so hungry and you eat all the bread. And by the time you get there, you're full. <laughs> by the time the good food gets there, you're so, I ate too much bread. Well, that's the junk food of life. And how often we can do that spiritually as well. So what are, these, what are some of these spiritual things that would hinder or even destroy our spiritual appetite? Well, the worries of life. Sometimes we just let things that really don't matter take our time and attention, don't we? Sometimes just the worries of life take over our attention. And rather than taking the time to spend with God, we're too worried about life in general. And all of a sudden, the minors become the majors. Now, I'm not saying that details aren't important. But when we don't, do a good job of keeping the bigger picture in proper perspective, we allow the little things to take over. And all of a sudden we become too worried and we lose our hunger and thirst. Another thing is the deceitfulness of money and wealth. Money and wealth aren't bad, but they can be very deceitful. 
because I can spend all my time chasing money and wealth at the expense of chasing after God. Amen? And this is where our blessings can quickly become curses if we allow money and wealth to become our focal point and our basis for our security. My bank account is what I depend upon. My 401k, as long as I'm healthy there, I am, I'm good. But as soon as, my, as soon as the stock market starts turning down, guess what? I get really nervous and I get uptight because I don't know if I'm going to have enough money for retirement. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm saying that's not the focus of life. The deceitfulness of money and wealth can really destroy our hunger and thirst. The third thing is our desire for temporary things or for the temporal. I'm so hungry I can't wait for good food. Just give me, just fill me up. Give me the junk food, Mom. God, I can't wait, so I'm going to go after it myself. I'm going to run around you, God, because I can't wait for you to open a door, so I'm going to sneak in my own way. See, we need to keep our eyes focused and our attention focused on Christ to help us stay so we don't get distracted by the things that are not eternal. Amen? Jesus talks about these things in the parable of the sower. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's a desire for the immediate satisfaction of the temporary joys of life that helps us or keeps us from doing the hard things or the, even the patience required sometimes to allow God to bring the fullness of life. There's nothing that God brings to your life that he doesn't want to make good for you. Can I tell you that? Even in the hard things. The Apostle John gives us this warning about the way things of this life can destroy a godly person if we're not careful in this. He says, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 7, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see, the love of the world and its passions are junk food to the soul. They're the things that destroy us. They will fill us up and take away our passions for the things of God that truly are the things that are vitally important. It's the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, what I see, what I desire, and then the pride of life that comes in as the ultimate threat to a spiritually hungry and thirsty person. Let's recognize those things. Jackie, would you come, please, as we begin to wind up? Let's recognize the, the fact that we need to protect ourselves from the things that seem good in the moment. And I'm not saying they're not good. They're just not eternal. They just don't bring a lasting fullness to our soul. Might bring a temporary filling it up, but at the end you'll be hungrier and thirstier and you'll be worse off for it because you'll be malnutritioned. So how do we live? How do we maintain our hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, we educate ourselves to good spiritual nutrition. 
and we stick to a healthy diet that we know fills us up with the right things. It's called the Word of God. It's called prayer. We seek a relationship with the Holy Spirit who is the giver of our appetite. And we, we remain connected to the vine. John chapter 15, I love this chapter of John. It says this, beginning of verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. It's not hard. It's just remaining in the love of Christ. It's remaining in relationship with him. By remaining connected to the vine, we are filling our soul with the life-saving Holy Spirit nutrition and not the junk food that this world offers. Finally, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8. Those, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 8. Those who remain, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, they speak into us now, those in the, remaining in the, in the vine, those who you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ, but Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, here it is, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. What are you hungry and thirsting after? Righteousness. And when you do that, the promise is that you will be filled This is why this defines the life and the lifestyle of every true believer in Jesus Christ because you will desire righteousness and you will put away anything that is not. So the question that I have, and I want to leave you with this, this is why it's a personal message today. Does this define who you are? Where are you on this continuum of hungering and thirsting for righteousness? I can't answer that question for you. Sometimes I have a hard time answering it for myself. But it desires, but it certainly deserves a great thought. So I want to leave you with that today. Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you thirsting for him? Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I know that you have such good things in store for us if we would only wait if we would only seek after the things that you would have for us, that we would be filled with your goodness and your grace and your mercy. So, Father, I declare right now as this body of believers that we are seeking after you. We are desiring the good things in life and we are patient and we are waiting for you to fill us up. And Lord, in the areas of life where we're, where we're struggling, I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would... 
be given authority in, in each life of each believer here to bring a change as needed. Help us to be more effective listening to your voice today. Help us not to be so busy that we run away from you. Help us to slow down and seek and thirst and hunger for you. That's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jackie and Tom, lead us in the song that you're you're playing. You know, sometimes, folks, you need to take control of some things in life. Sometimes you need to declare to yourself, Father, you are my heart's desire. You are my heart's desire. My feelings may not say that right now, but Father, I'm declaring that you are my heart's desire. And as you declare that, in Jesus' name, your feelings will come in alignment with what you have to declare. Right? Amen? It's what we do. That's what relationship is. I declare who I am in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I declare that I have a hunger for you. And I want that more than anything today. Let it sink into my soul, I pray. Let me put away the things of this world that would distract and destroy that. 
Father, I pray right now for us. I pray, God, that that would be our heart's prayer today and our desire and our longing that we would put away the things of this world and desire you and you alone because we know that that is where our sustenance comes from. It's where our identity comes from. It's where our future is secure in that I would that I would search and seek after righteousness, that I would be filled with righteousness. So bless us as we go today. Bless us as we make this declaration today that we would search for you and long for you and that we would be filled with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And may be blessed today. If you need help, if you need prayer, any times of the week, call me, come see me or call, talk to somebody here. We need to, we need to be together, folks. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great day.